We are Living by the Word Ministries, a nonprofit organization dedicated to one cause. That cause is the truth given in the Holy Bible, which we believe is the inerrant and infallible Word of God, conferred to man to live by. We let the Word of God be the final authority as to what is or is not true. We strongly feel that if we do not expose false doctrine, we only encourage it. This ministry is designed to challenge you from an apologetic point of view. 1 Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. This is Michael Tinsley. Please stay tuned while we arm you, the believer, to keep living by the word. It's the noble thing to do. Yes, yes. Yes, yes, indeed, it is a noble thing to do to keep living by the word. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Living by the Word Ministries presentation of the Bible Information Brokers. This is a live presentation, an opportunity for you to call in. Yes, you can call in, email us questions, and I'm going to give you the information where you can do so. I would just encourage you to get a pen and paper, get your Bibles if you have them, and be ready to take a wonderful ride through the Word of God based upon how you call in with your open, honest questions. And those open, honest questions, as far as I'm concerned, can be about anything in life. And we want to give you the biblical response. Yes, we do with theology and various things like that and we love to deal with those questions as well but I like to call it just the open honest questions about things in life because the Bible speaks on a plethora of things in life if not everything in life like I like to think it is there's not too much that happens in my life that the Bible does not have an answer for or at least does not talk about it so feel free to call in right now Write it down. Matter of fact, let some people know that you're listening to our broadcast. You can call us right now at one triple eight. Be one of the first to call. One triple eight. L A talks. That's one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. With your open honest questions, our issues with life, and we want to give you the biblical response. This is questions, an opportunity for you to call us. Our our teammates. I'll be introducing them to you momentarily. But I want to give you the way you can start calling in not right now. Our good friend Andy, our engineer, is doing double duty for us, and she'll be answering your call. So just simply give her your name, city where you're calling from, and get right into your questions so we can have a seamless program today. As you call in, we want to answer those questions. One triple eight LA Talks, one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. If you're internet savvy, you have your emails open, go ahead and send us a question by way of email. Spell out the word questions and then put at Bibleinfobrokers.com. That's questions at Bibleinfobrokers.com. And if you want to and you want to be real fancy and you have uh, access to the Facebook and you do Facebook, go to LBTW Church and send us a Facebook question. But right now, without further ado, I want to introduce to you my teammates who's uh, diligently busy in studio here, my good friend, the handsome uh, Brian Allen. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, B? Doing well, dear. How's it going? Doing well, brother. Go ahead, back to doing what you're doing. We're trying to get those massive things out so we can. No, I, I said, did, did you get yours? I I'm think a, you did. It's not there yet, but it's okay. gonna get there momentarily. We, we're getting uh, hip with this fancy technology, so bear with us. There, Brian's doing a fine job. That's my man. He has certain degrees in life. I won't mention them right now, but he has degrees in life that is outstanding, and we're going to be utilizing those strong suits of all of us. And talking about strong suits, let me talk to a guy that's actually a, a physically strong guy and a mentally tough guy. <laughs> As well, <laughs> yeah. Stop, Brian. I'm trying to introduce Craig Hawkins here, Professor PCH. Craig Hawkins, how you doing, brother? You know it's that <laughs> cough, huh? <laughs> sorry, sorry about that, Craig. I just some I just had a cough yeah. that came through. I apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Live radio, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. As you can Don't see, this is. Us already. 
Oh my goodness, the bus is already rolling, huh, Greg? Listen, ladies and gentlemen, just like um, Joy, just like Darren, just like the other folks calling in right now, please take an opportunity to call in with your open, honest questions. We want to give you the biblical response. You are going through things in life, uh, and you have a question. What does the Bible say about what I'm going through in life? You're reading through your Bible. You went to church today. You have a Bible study. You you have people talking to you on your job. You have questions that have been troubling you for some time, or you have some questions that you're not quite sure of the complete answer. Give us an opportunity, your Bible information brokers, to give you an opportunity to get those questions answered. one la talks one 528 2557 open, honest question. We want to give you that biblical response. Gentlemen, the strong one, the handsome one, you ready to roll? <laughs> no, I want to speak up now. Yeah, okay, Craig, thank you. The, the handsome and strong one, you ready to roll. Well, so, I, you know what? I don't know it, but that is a fallacy, a logical fallacy. We had to know what kind of one that is. Probably one of those fancy <laughs> Greek things. <laughs> Listen, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, Brian, too little, too late, my friend. Uh, Ladies and audience, uh, forgive us. I'm the elder here, so I'm going to try to get some control over this thing and it'll just get us going with one triple eight LA Talks, one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Open honest question. We want to get to it right now. So let's honor your phone calls and go right now to uh, Darren in the city of San Pedro. Darren, thanks for holding on and calling in. Uh, you're welcome, dude. And Darren, what's your question for the night? So, so I got a question about Adam and Eve. Okay. And I'm wondering. They were the first two people ever made, so I'm wondering what language they would speak in the Garden of Eden when they're communicating with the Lord, when they're communicating with, with one another. I, I just I don't have any idea. I read through the Genesis account, and I absolutely love it. I get stoked on it, but I just wonder, you know, what language they might have spoken. Well, Darren, I think you're in the same boat with all of us, because uh, the Bible doesn't say what language... Uh, I haven't seen a scripture that talks about the, any language that they did speak, uh, but you know, obviously it was a it was a, a language that you know obviously they understood and and uh, they spoke to each other with and what God you know they spoke to God with, but I personally have not seen any language and I believe the Bible is silent on it. Craig, you know of, you know of any language? Yeah, of course it was English. Thank there you. There we go. Well, thank you, Craig. I was about to give that answer. <laughs> I thought Joe was going to say bonics, but absolutely yeah. Greek one on one. Yeah, Greek. Yeah, no, you're right, Brian. We we don't know. We can guesstimate maybe some Semitic language, but we're we're not really sure. And people might say, well, look, you know, Adam meets man, so it's Hebrew, but we have no idea if that was transliterated over. It really is an educated guess at best. We just, as Brian said, we don't know. But it's a great question, Darren. Excellent yeah, question. It is. Cool. Well, thank you. I, I love listening to you guys. I just hear it from time to time when I'm uh, out late. I'm on a surf trip. I'm headed home now. But it's oh, awesome. cool. Wow. What a tough life. What a tough life you roll, man. Be love careful. It. Watch those waves, man. Hey, Darren, thanks for calling in. Ah. All right. Thank you. God Bye. bless, man. Hey, just like Darren, who's uh, hitting high and low surfs, I guess. Uh, for one triple eight, he can call in like he did. One triple eight five two eight two five five seven. One triple eight LA talks. Let's go to our good friend Joy in the city of Costa Mesa. Joy, let's keep it rolling. What's your question for the night? Okay, thank you very much. Always. Um, first of all, the girl that answers the phone, she's doing a really nice job. Well, we can see and that. Oh, she's cheesing over there now. I love it. <laughs> no, it's true. Thank and you very much. And number two, I don't know if I'm not doing it right, but I'm not able to get the archives for April. It's a program from like around Easter time that I've been wanting to listen to, and you've got oh. March and February, but is it up? 
Is it up? Yeah, it is. I, I'm, you asked your question. I'm going to double check because I, I, I normally check on it. April should all be up, and I'm pretty sure it is. But uh, go ask your question, and okay. uh, Joy, so, and I'll look okay. it up. Oh, thanks. So, um, anyway, my question is more for a friend of mine that's in uh, an Asian country working there as a missionary for the last seven years. And it has to do with um, Second Corinthians chapter um, Second Corinthians chapter twelve, verse um, eight and nine. No, actually, verse seven, where he says, um, "And because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, for this reason, to keep me from, you know, exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, to keep me from exalting myself." So. I already know my opinion, and I know the Bible well enough. To, but anyway, um, he's saying that in the Greek that, and without going through all the details, but someone that he's become, he's been helping a Christian, and who demonic things, and is saying that, um, and he also believes that you know a Christian cannot be demon possessed, and all that. But just things happening and. And that um, a spirit entered this person, and, and they're a Christian, and what do you think about that? And they were trying to cast them out and all of that. And I'm not into all of that, but just, you know, just things that he would tell me. So, from the Greek, does it mean something other than just what it says? Uh, no. no, there's nothing there. I don't know what he's talking about. What you want to do is specifically say, okay, what word or phrase are you referring to? There's nothing in here that would even do anything approximate to what the subject we jumped to. We don't, he was buffeted. He's, he's, he's harassed. We don't know what it is. Um, some people think you know, it was an eye disease because of what he says to the Galatians. Um, and that, that's as good as guess as any. Uh, some of us think that you know God's purpose, purpose, purposefully not specific because we can all relate to it and whatever it is in our life that causes us to be weak we can now relate to paul otherwise it would just be only if i had his particular illness or or what have you but rest assured yes i would agree uh, ultimately it is demonic in its origin its source that they're not every disease is uh we're told for example was it matthew uh, 424 and elsewhere that there are all kinds of reasons that people are sick but one of them can be demonic, can have its origin, just as we see with Job in the book of Job. But there's nothing here about being possessed. And so uh, and the word dominisomai is not here in the text. There's, it's not to have echo, the word to have a, a demon. So I, I really, to be honest, have no idea what your friend's talking about. There's nothing here. And, and he's very sensible and very, you know, knowledgeable, the Bible, things like that as well. But Well, sensible, knowledgeable told. Christians make mistakes. Um, yeah. We all do. But here's the yeah. thing I always want to know. Here's the conversation I would have with this individual. So, first of all, specifically, what in the text are you referring to? Just tell them you're talking to somebody who reads Greek. So tell them. Uh, what, they want to know what you're referring to. What, what are you talking about? Specifically, what would lead you in this text to that, number one? A thorn in the flesh, and he's saying, like, from the Greek, that in the flesh, that it came, it entered the flesh. It entered. Oh, I see what you're saying. And, and it isn't necessarily being demon-possessed, but just, like, the person, after something, a bad experience happened to them, and um, this other person, and, and then they felt, uh, you know, a 
spirit, and she comes from a family of, they have spiritism long before she was converted, and none of her family is converted, and they worship demons and things like that. An American, a person from America. But anyway, uh, what do you think about that? A spirit just felt something dark and evil came into her. Well, I'm just curious. You don't have to tell me this. What country are we talking about, by the way? Well, they're in... I don't know that I should mention it, so but it's in okay. Asia. It's in an Asian country. Okay, well, I've been in a, I've been in a lot of countries in Asia. That's why I'm just curious. But you don't have to tell me, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, uh, well, let me... Let Maybe me China. I, well, I'll just say China. That's not where he's at now, but, okay. but um, the person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm going to just come back to this specifically. But mm-hmm. I need to say a couple things. So again, I, I would say, uh, just let me let me just double check something here. Well, while well, Craig's that. checking, Joy, uh, mm-hmm. all the uh, all the all the programs are up in April. I just looked. Hmm. Okay. I, I only can do it on my phone, and I got March, February, January, but nothing for April. And it was the show around Easter time talking about the, you know, the evidence for for Christ. Um, for the resurrection and everything like that yeah it was really good wasn't that April when Easter was yes mm-hmm. and I just I yeah, it's, to, okay it, I'll check again okay April yeah it's up there I just I just went through all of April of 2017 okay thank you I appreciate okay. that yeah I'm a, by the way it's not really literally the word an en in Greek for en in the flesh it's the word sarkos sarks is the word for flesh here but I'm so I, I guess I'm still I'm at a loss. So okay, Paul's buffeted. Well, of course, where else would it would affect somebody? Now you could affect it mentally, could be and or spiritually, mm-hmm. and or uh, biologically. But whatever the storm was, it apparently impacted Paul in his body. If, uh, the word flesh is used many times. It can be used for our fallen nature, our Adamic nature. Uh, but that's not the mean. The context tells you the meaning. Um, here, the context. Is not clearly not that it's it's a physical body, so the words flesh would be literally a, a synonym for his his body uh, physically, his physiological. So it affects him, and it's ultimately demonic in origin. But but that doesn't mean that there was a demonic spirit in him. Um, it just means that they're the source of origin of of this physical melee, of this physical you know, malady, I should say, um, a melee malady. <laughs> um, so. Um, so uh, I, again, I'm still not getting at uh, what the po- what the point is. Why things is this? There's absolutely no way. Excuse me. Absolutely no way that uh, I mean, a Christian they claim to be a Christian well, person could ever. Well, there's always. Well, there's two. No, there's three. There's, there's three more questions that need to be asked. So my first question is, what in the text that he thinks proves that? And I don't see okay. it. Number one. Number two. Two is. <laughs> excuse me. Sometimes people are confused on who they think a Christian is. There's various yeah. parables and stories of the wheat and the tares, the fish in the net, and the idea is that some people appear to be, and they're not. And, so, and even even mature Christians at times have, think someone's a Christian who's not. Look at Judas; the others thought he was a one of them, and, and he was a, he was a he was never a true believer, as we were told in John six. So, mm. if the disciples themselves can be deceived, how much more can we? So, is it really a was he really a Christian? Is this person? Third question is: Is it demon possession? Uh, and, and what 
I find many people have a really bad definition of, they don't even have a good a definition of demon possession. It's just, and they confuse harassment or oppression, which is very significant, but is external to the person versus literally uh, having a demon in you. And people try to say, well, it's a sliding scale, one through ten. No, it's not. The word dominizomai, used with the verb echo, to have, means to have a demon in you. They're never cast out around you or by you. They were cast out of people. They were cast out of them. Mm-hmm. And so, so can a Christian be harassed or oppressed? Well, sure, I believe that. And there are several ways God can allow it, like with Paul. I think that Saul, because of his sin, was oppressed. I think someone on, on the mission field, definitely he's doing God's work, can and will be harassed spiritually and otherwise. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, again, if you're, you're involved in sin, so I'd want to know, what are the symptoms? Why? What are the symptoms? We need specific questions, just like a doctor. You, you can't just say, oh, I'm in pain. Well, okay, where? What type of pain is it? Uh, mm-hmm. Is it in your abdomen? You know, is it your thigh? I mean, where? Where, what kind of pain, family history? Uh, so I want to know, why does he think he's possessed or harassed? What are the symptoms? Mm-hmm. How do you know they're a Christian? And again, what in this text does he think proves that it's it's in, in them? You know, where else, if it's going to affect something physically, where else would it be? And so it's an idiom. It's not even literally, again, the preposition in, but it's the idea, it's it's from the body. It's, it's, it's manifested in the body, because that's where physical, <laughs> that's where physical symptoms manifest, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so now you could, you could have, you know, I realize mental, oppression, you know, mentally harassed and not necessarily physically, although that would often have a physiological effect. So, Joy, I, I, this is a lot of questions here that it's not very yeah. precise, and I would want, uh, that someone's been on the mission field seven years, frankly, I don't care. I want to know what, what, what do they know about demon possession? Why do they think that? And it's time for some honing and sharpening of their skills with all due respect and, and getting really... Um, more precise on this so they don't do damage to people, so they don't think someone's demon-possessed who's not, or vice versa. So I haven't heard anything that convinces me of anything here. No, I I like what you're saying, Chris, and I I agree with you, and those are good. Maybe I'll have him call, but but also the person has um, something that's called B.I.D., you know, from childhood. You said B.I.D., Joy? B, like David, B.I.D. Oh, D.I.D., okay. No, it doesn't, I'm not... Personalities inside them, you know. It's not. I mean, it is a real. See, here's the here's my concern. Now, okay, now we're getting somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Here's the deal. Yeah. Um, Kurt Koch, K O C H, probably was in his day with the foremost expert, Christian expert on this stuff. He was a a German. Kurt Koch, K O C H. Okay. Uh, Some pronounce it Koch. So either way. Um, At any rate. Uh, he specialized in, in this area, um, and and another, an issue now, uh, you know, that that I would want to talk to is, uh, does this person have a history of mental illness? Is there a mental illness in the family? And so often, mental illness, if one is in fact a Christian or has a Christian influence, uh, certain symptoms with, with certain type of, um, of, of of forms of illness that they manifest in a Christian context. They're, they're going to be centered around angels or demons or God or what have you, because that's what they're into. That's what they've been influenced by. It doesn't mean a demon's harassing them. It just so. And now, could one be both mentally ill and demonically ha- harassed and or oppressed? Well, sure. But, but what I find is most Christians are so ill-equipped in diagnosing mil- mental illness. And I don't think you have to be a psychologist, psychiatrist. That's ideal, sure. 
Uh, but there are some basic guidelines and, and things that the, the average Christian, the average missionary doesn't know. When I, in fact, some of the, the guys and gals and people I teach, in, for example, in India, one of the key topics we spend on is demon possession. And what is it? What are the symptoms? How would you be able to identify it? And how would you distinguish it between, and I don't mean to be slight here, mere and mental illness, which can be a very traumatic, I realize, but I mean mental illness, and or can it be mental illness and demonic possession, or harassment, or none of the above. Sometimes people do things just to get attention. They'll get on the ground and bark like a dog. I've seen all kinds of stuff. You name it, I've seen it. Um, and you're like, okay, let me know when you're done, and we'll, we'll go on. So, uh, yeah, I, I see this. given to that, like, you know, like really charismatic and all that, so it's not... Well, that they tend, uh, I'm not against that, but, but sometimes these people tend to, they, they mean well, but they're, yeah. real, they, they're not good in diagnosis and analysis and, script, and, and being precise scripturally, and they see things in, that are not there. See, there mm-hmm. is a demonic realm. I don't want to ignore it. I think C.S. Mm-hmm. Lewis is absolutely right, right in the book, The Screwtape Letters. But sometimes people see a demon under every rock and tree and... You know, sometimes I get a flat tire because I had a nail in it, and I didn't take—I didn't look at my tires and didn't take care of it, or the tread. The tire was going bald. I want to blame the devil. So, um, I, there are—I have solid articles and guidelines, and uh, you know, I've spent a lot of time traveling myself in Asia. I'm in a lot of Asian countries and spent quite a bit of time. And uh, many of those missionaries are poorly equipped to identify this and deal with this, and so. I mean, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I'm just not hearing anything that says, you know, we're getting an accurate diagnosis here. And I'm concerned because you misdiagnose somebody and start telling them or thinking they're demon-possessed and they're not. Mm. They get that in their head. It's really hard to get that out. You can do really bad damage to somebody. You know, I'm amazed how many times people who need medications have some serious form of mental illness. As long as they take the medications, they're fine. They stop taking it. They start hearing voices or hallucinating or, you know, whatever, whatever degree of mental illness they're suffering from. And then somebody says, oh, it's demonic, we've got to throw the devil out. It's like, no, no, maybe it's mental illness. Just as we live in a cursed creation, and just as people can have broken arms or be born with congenital birth defects, missing an arm or deformed arm or hand, so our minds are subject to the fall as well, and they can be damaged. And it, we, it's not a slight, it's not, it's, we shouldn't make people be, feel ashamed. It's just like having a broken arm or anything else. It's part of the fall, and there are issues and they can be treated with medicine and or very good counseling and help people in those areas. Now, sometimes there's demonic, but again, going back to this, uh, and I'm heavily influenced by a psychiatrist named Basil Mitchell, who uh, was a first-rate psychiatrist, but also specialized in this area, and he just... He, he says he had an article called Deliver Us from the, from the uh, uh, Diagnosis of Demons. And it's not that he didn't believe in it, but he just saw so many Christians so mess this up because they don't do their homework. Look, uh, trusting God is no, which I do believe in, and being led by the Spirit, that's no excuse for not doing your homework. God gave you a mind. He expects people to use it. According to Jesus in Mark 12, 28 and following, the greatest command from the Shema, from, he, from Deuteronomy 6.4, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that word mind there is not the generic word noose or uh, leaven other words, if you will. It's the very specific word, dianoia, which means the ability to reason, to think logically, rationally, to think critically, not mean-spirited, but to think well and precisely. And many Christians just frankly don't do that, and then they blame their silliness on the Holy Spirit. And they shouldn't be doing that. So 
So maybe, I mean, I don't know where this person's coming from, this missionary, and I'm not trying to no, say I about them per se, but I'm just so disgusted with this whole issue. And I've seen so much damage done, so much silliness said in the name of Christ that's hurt people, of people who just so flippantly give counsel that they have little to no experience in and do real bad, sometimes almost irreparable damage. Right. Is there a, just a last thing, uh, um, something, a way that he could contact you or get information like what you're saying? Um, what's your full name, Professor? I'm sorry, I know you said it. Well, it's just, it's just a program. I, I can't possibly respond to everybody, Joy, who, who, who oh, contacts right. me personally. I, 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 no, I but, would never sleep. Like, but I, do, I have all kinds of articles and literature that I make available uh, on this, and we could... Oh, find a way. You send us a legal size, a self-addressed stamp envelope or something. We can get that to you, and then you could pass that on to them. There's a number of articles, a half dozen of them, that I think are just incredibly good. One, and I'm not knocking psychiatrists or psychologists at all. I, I believe in that. But, right. but um, uh, there's a way with people with a, a minimal amount of, of uh, elbow grease can really get decently knowledgeable in these areas. And if you're going to be in a mission field like Asia, where there is a lot of animism, there is a lot of spiritism, there is a lot of demonic warfare and activity, oh yeah, I get that. I've been there, done that. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But, but, that's, that, but that still needs to be done. And I've written books on the occult, so I mean, I've been there, done that. But, but that's, that's still, we still need to do our homework and understand the differences uh, among mental illness, harassment, oppression, actual possession, yes. and, and, and so on and so forth. These are very significant issues that have radical impact on how we counsel a person. Hey, Joy, that's an excellent question. As usual, we thank you very much for your phone call. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Maybe I'll tell him to download this today, what you're saying. Well, yeah, but he needs a specific article. So I want to get the material in his hand. Uh, The article by Basil Mitchell, article by, um, well, I have just a number of them. And I just, it's some of the best stuff I've ever read in my, my X amount of years of studying and uh, so I send you, um, I send you uh, a self-addressed. What did you say? Legal, um, legal, uh, legal size self-addressed stamp envelope. Because I, I can't fold it up. It's too much material. It's got to be put into a full-on, you know, eight and a half by eleven envelope. And then you'd send it to me, and I'd send it to them. Here we go. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Joy, thank you very much, hon. Appreciate it. God bless you. You Bye. too now. Ladies and gentlemen, just like Joy, you can call in with your open honest question at one triple eight LA Talks, one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Hey Greg, hang in there, uh, Therese. We're gonna get to you, Doug. Also, Joe, we're gonna get to you also. But I'm gonna go right now to our dear friend uh, Dan in the city or uh, in South Bay area. Dan, I'm bringing you up now because uh, we had this conversation last week, and I wanted to get you on early enough so we can deal with some issues here. Hi. How you doing, brother? I'm okay. Hi, Brian. Hey, what's going on, Dan? I don't want to leave anybody out there. Uh, hi, Craig. Hi, Dan. Good to hear you, brother. Well, uh, we'll get right into it. Uh, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, and what did Jesus mean when he, he also said uh, the kingdom of, uh, of heaven is at hand? Um, and then there's also the in the Lord's prayer, he told us to pray for uh, pray for uh, your kingdom come. So there's coming kingdom, but there's also the idea of the kingdom is with you. He said within you, but it's also correct, I guess, translated as as with you, because Jesus was there. 
Yeah, there's a bunch of issues. Let me just, Daryl, sorry, guys, and Dan, just a moment. I just need to go back to that previous conversation. Sorry, guys. Would you like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just need to say this. If I, if I know I sound riled and kind of harsh, but I've just seen so much damage in this area, I just have little patience for silliness. That people mean well, but they sometimes say pious nonsense. And I've just seen so much damage over the years and the harm of people pontificating and waxing elephants and things they don't really understand. And not that I've had this all mastered and I've got it all straight, but I've spent a lot of time in this area. And I just really get impatient when I've seen people hurt so badly. So if people sense that irritation in my voice, they say, oh, he's all riled up. What's his problem? Well, that's, that's my problem. Well, Craig, equally, if you have that, uh, that riled up about uh, the Asian and Asia uh, continent that you travel on, Africa is, is no less. I mean, my travels in Africa, oh, yeah, the same yeah. thing. Man. It, it, and here's what the problem is with Africa, Craig, because a lot of people in Africa, at least in the areas I went to, Western Africa, they're so much in, in, in tune with what's going on over here in the States and they almost like consider themselves like, especially Liberia, sister of our, our country, that they allow, that they, they get away from dealing with the issues of the demonic and they getting into this issue of uh, prosperity gospel and things like that, which oh, is almost yeah. like saying, so what do you do? You not talk about it, or if you talk about it, uh, you talk about it erroneously or half-heartedly or just, you know, uh, uh, uncontextually. So, I mean, if you had to have one or the other, Craig, would you want them to deal with it or deal with it wrongly? Or, you know, if you had to have a choice, I mean, you know, because that's well, what's going I, on. If he, but if you, I, I guess I, I wouldn't want either or, dear. I want them to deal yeah. with it correctly. Yeah, of course, and, of course. wisely from a full orbed uh, biblical perspective. Um, so, anyway, so I just we, need we, to pick yeah, that up. Yeah. Apologize, Dan. Go right, Dan. I'm that's sorry. That's an excellent question. Sure. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, there is a lot of, uh, this is a controversial issue, and <laughs> second one now, or off the bat here, it's a great question Dan's asking. Well, let's go back and, and repeat it, Craig. Let's go back and deal with the issue. Dan, can you just repeat the question and we get right into it, if you don't mind? Yeah, we were talking about it last week. Uh, uh, it came from, what did Jesus mean when he said the kingdom of God is at hand? And then he uses, he uses kingdom of God and he uses kingdom of heaven, but he uses them interchangeably. Okay. And it seems to be only Matthew where he uses both. Uh, and, it, and it's a lot of times, like over 82 times in the gospel. And then I think 32 times it says the other in, the, in Matthew. The kingdom but, of heaven, the kingdom of God is at hand. Yeah, I got you. And basic, basically the same thing. Well, no, he says the kingdom of God is, is within you. But the better translation is with you, and because it's he's there. Uh, but then you've got the other aspect of the kingdom, the kingdom that's coming. You know, we refer to Jesus as the soon coming king. Sure. Yet he was talking about it; it's starting right now. And also, John the Baptist mentioned that 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 it's coming or that it's here. So there's many aspects on this. Yeah, got it. PCH. Yes, 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 yes. So I'd have to look at the other passages. I've got got one in front of me, Luke 17. Um, so there's controversy, but I see these as synonymous phrases, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. They're not literally the same word, same phrase, but they mean the same thing. That's like saying half dozen one, six of the other. Now, there are some people who swear they're different, and they'll fight and die, and they'll disfellowship. I've, I know people who I don't agree with them at all have disfellowship and have really derogatory things to say about anybody who disagrees with them on this. Uh, but I think Donald Gray Barnhouse, who is a great biblical scholar, I think he did a fine treatment. You probably might be able to find it online now. Uh, but Donald Gray Barnhouse did a, 
a major study on this area, and I would stand by his work, and I would see the, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven as synonymous. Maybe they're slightly nuanced, but they're still the same thing. So that's number one. Now, there, there's those that disagree with me, and I just say, look, read Barnhouse and others who believe the same, and I think their evidence is, is uh, sufficient, uh, if not indeed uh, more than sufficient to establish that. Now, I, I would also argue the second point is, well, he talks about it, you know, being here, but the coming, because we talk about the already, not yet. The kingdom of God is here because Christ established it, because it came when he came, because he is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, if you will, is wherever he is, or wherever he institutes it, wherever he constitutes it, can I say it that way, mm-hmm. establishes it, and by his authority, he established the kingdom of God in our midst among us. And that's why we read, for example, in Luke chapter 17, verse 10, and the NIV, once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God will come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation. In other words, some type of ostensible or physical, you know, if you will, presence. I mean, the parousia, uh, it will, his visible, what we call second coming of Christ, which we believe he will fully, completely implement the kingdom of God. Not just, it's already here, but he will literally rule and reign in person. Um, in, in a much more radical sense than even right now. He's ruling and reigning from heaven. I don't want to deny that. But he will rule and reign physically and literally will uh, demand obedience of all people and all nations. Um, so it doesn't come in this case with uh, some physical presence at the first coming. Uh, excuse me. Uh, the kingdom of God was in, in their midst. By the way, it's not in you. It's not SO. It's, the, it's entos. It's in the midst. Uh, so it, it's not the Greek uh, preposition in, in you. He, uh, God is in us. The Holy Spirit lives with us. Christ lives with us. But the kingdom of God, it doesn't say it's in us. It's entos. It's in our midst. Indeed, because it's in you, and the, you, you, the word you there is in the plural, right? It's, it, it's, not, it's not you. Um, you know, I'm talking to you, Dan, but it, uh, you, you say, I'm, no, you guys need to listen to this. We're talking about uh, the plural use of you. Andy was talking to the Pharisees who didn't have the kingdom, in, in, didn't have the Holy Spirit in them. Right, so and so it was already, right, so it's already among them. It's in their midst, exactly, and you're absolutely right. So it wasn't in them, and it's in one sense we talked about the kingdom of God last week with one, one person that the Holy Spirit was with them, he was going to be in them, and then he came upon them. And uh, so that would argue the kingdom of God was in their midst because the power of God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ was at work. Therefore, the kingdom of God had constituted. He came to establish it. He birthed it, if you will, however you want to say this. It's in their midst, but it's not fully implemented. Why? Because he's not ruling and reigning literally physically, as we believe he will, at his second coming. So at his first coming, he comes physically, he implements the kingdom, but then he allows himself to be killed, he rises from the dead, descends to heaven, and he will return, and we believe, I believe, in a, a literal millennial kingdom, he will rule and reign for a thousand years on earth as a, a millennialist. I hold to that. So the kingdom of God literally, we should read, is among you or in your midst, uh, right? And among, by the way, is always three or more. Uh, between is only, people misuse it all the time, between is between two people only, or God and a person, mm-hmm. but among is three or more. So it's among us, all of us, even the non-Christians, the kingdom of God is among them. It's already here, but it's not yet manifested in its full magnitude, its full uh, fullness, if you will, as it will, at the second coming of Christ. 
So that would be my shot at that 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 question, Dan. Okay, brother. I hope that's helpful to you, my man. I think too that uh, the best argument for God and heaven being the same is because Jesus Himself uses it interchangeably. When he uses it on the, he said that it's uh, easier for the rich man to enter the kingdom of God, and then he turns around, or heaven, and then he turns around and says, God, he used it for the same thing, and and used them interchangeably. Uh, yeah, well, that's what I would argue. Now, some would say, argue differently, yeah. but I agree. And let me give you an example. Let me give you an parallel example, and this is controversial as well. Some people think the Son of God is a divine title, and it is, and they think Son of Man is a human title. Actually, Son of Man is a divine title as well. The Son of Man, as in Daniel 7.13, is a divine personage. Uh, uh, D.A. Carson and others have written on this. I think it's in the book, The Scriptures Testify About Me by D.A. Carson. The Scriptures Testify About Me, but he has a whole uh, uh, essay chapter and or more information than others do as well. So many people think, oh, so again... Well, the Son of God and the Son of Man refer to the same person. One refers the latter to his human nature and the second, the former to his divine nature, but actually they're both divine titles. Certainly the Bible teaches the twofold natures of Christ, all uh, Romans 1, 1 through 3, and Romans 9, 5 and 6, for example, but those two titles actually are synonymous, as I believe the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are. And they and they knew it. The Pharisees knew that title when they the son of oh, yeah. man. They knew what it meant when he referred to himself. They as got it. Man. Yeah, when he called God himself born, yeah, born, yeah. born again or born from above. That's what they said. Born again. And Nicodemus, I don't get why he didn't know what born again meant. Because whenever somebody converted to Judaism, they called that being born again. Mm-hmm. That's why Jesus kind of scolded him about the scripture. That's why Jesus kind of scolded him about, did you not know the scripture, what the scripture says in regards to that? Right, yeah. right. And he even says, you can discern the, you know, the times, you can read the skies, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be clear weather tomorrow or storm, but you can't discern the coming of, this, exactly. of the Son of God. I mean, come on, man, this is Especially you, a Nicodemus. issue. <laughs> Kairos, the Greek word for the, you know, the appointed time, the anointed time, this is it, and they missed it. Whoops, not that well. I would have done any better, but I mean, kind of like, <laughs> uh, nothing else matters, you miss the issue, and, 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 and not just that, they put him to death, like, well, yeah. well we all did. But, yeah. I mean, wow, whoops. All right, hey, Brother Dan, got these calls to get to, brother. Thank you for that call. Bye. Appreciate you. Thanks, Dan. Hey, you know what, Brian, um, uh, just need to, need to do two things for me, Brian. If you don't mind, we got a caller that was calling, and I want you to pray for Anna and her son. Her son is missing. If you don't mind doing a prayer in regards to that, and also let the people know how they can participate with us as far as keeping this broadcast and all the associated costs uh, moving, and for the, especially because the summer months are coming up. Everybody is having difficulty ministry-wise. Uh, yeah, definitely, Daryl. Um, first of all, it's... Um you know, reaching out to our listening audience. You know, we, we go through this from time to time where we almost go off air because we don't have the, the financial resources to keep the uh, show on the air to pay our radio bills and everything associated with this radio show. So uh, I, I'm going to reach out to the audience and on behalf of the Bible Information Brokers uh, to ask that if you believe in this ministry, believe in what we're doing, believe in the work of this ministry, to really... Uh, uh, support us and uh, pray for us, by all means, but also support us financially so we can continue to answer your Bible questions uh, week in and week out. Uh, a couple things you can do. You can go to our website and go to BibleInfoBrokers.com and click on the link that says support and donate us. Uh, support us and donate. 
And uh, you can give right then and there. You can give uh, uh, a one and one-time basis, or you can set it up so it can be done automatically every month. And uh, that way you don't have to worry about it. You know it's taken care of. But however you do it, you know, it's through the Internet. It's, gonna, it's a safe, it's, it's a secure, and those resources will get to us right away. So, uh, so that's one way that you can give. You can also um, you can, uh, uh, send us a check, money order. And uh, our new uh, P.O. Box is P.O. Box 90477, mm-hmm. P.O. Box 90477, Los Angeles, California, 9009. That's 90009. Right. And uh, you can uh, write out a check and you can mail it in and uh, you can give that way as well. Uh, again, that's P.O. Box 90477. Los Angeles, California, 90009, or just go to the website, uh, and that's at BibleInfoBrokers.com, and click on the link that says Support and Donate, and that's it. Brian, also, we had a caller that did call in. I'm going to ask that you might uh, pray for Anna in regard to her missing son, if you don't mind, because the caller give us the privilege to do that. Let's take the opportunity. Yeah, and, and, and I would ask the listening audience to pray as well. Absolutely. You know, the Heavenly Father, Lord, I just... Uh, I just lift Anna up to you, Lord, and uh, man, that must be hard. Mm. It must be uh, a lot of pain and suffering uh, to know that your your child is missing. And um, Lord, you you know the situation. You know where that child is. And Lord, I just uh, I just pray that the child will be found. Lord, I just pray that uh, your Holy Spirit will just move mightily and. Uh, Lord, you will work this through so so Anna will uh, uh, be reunited with, with her child, Lord. Give her peace. Give her comfort, Lord. Let her trust in you. Uh, Lord, I just pray that, uh, uh, Lord, you'll have a hand in everyone that's involved in this uh, situation insofar as re- uh, searching for this uh, missing child. And, Lord, I just pray that... Um, I just pray that uh, you will just see that this child is yeah. found safe. unharmed and safe. And uh, we, lift, we lift this up to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. For a second, man. Ladies and gentlemen, Brian just prayed for us. That's one of our Infant Bible Information Brokers teammates. I'm Professor Craig Hawkins, I call PCH. My name is Daryl AZD Fulton, and you're listening to a live presentation. You have an opportunity to call in, just like we have uh, Joe on hold, Douglas, uh, Greg, and Teresa on hold right now. We're going to get to their calls momentarily. You have an opportunity, just like uh, one of our dear friends that sent us an email question. And let me give you the information how you can do so and participate in tonight's broadcast live. one la talks is the number, one 528 2557 You can start dialing in right now. Our dear engineer, Andy, is taking uh, those calls for us. And you can send us an email at the address that Brian actually gave you from our website, but more specifically, if you want to put in your address box, questions at BibleInfoBrokers.com. Questions, spell it out, questions at BibleInfoBrokers.com. And we'd be happy to take your questions by way of email as well. Let's go back to the phone calls, gentlemen, and uh, let's, next up is Teresa from the city of Cyprus. Teresa, thanks for holding on and calling in. Thank you. Okay. Um, well, I've been listening to Catholics give their um, biblical reasons why they believe in the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist. And so, you mean the Roman Catholics in this case? Cause the we, Roman it? Okay, gotcha. Cause we, right. we, we're, we're Catholic as well. Okay. 
and um, they use, and I don't didn't look up the scripture, but basically they use the scripture that said where Jesus says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have no life in you. And so that's what they use. And I just wondered what is our interpretation of that verse as non-Roman Catholics? Well, Teresa, I would, as a, as a, um, a Protestant, uh, <laughs> or as a Catholic, not a Roman Catholic, uh, I look at that uh, scripture as, uh, as, a, as, as a spiritual issue. Uh, I don't look at it as I'm literally eating, uh, you know, during the time of communion that all of a sudden uh, uh, the, uh, it's the actual flesh and the actual blood of Jesus Christ. As a Christian, uh, I'm going to hold to the fact that um, it's, uh, um, it's a spiritual um, it's a spiritual issue when it comes to uh, taking communion, uh, the body and blood of Christ. And so, uh, Daryl, go ahead. No, Brian, I was just going to say this before we pass it over to Craig, the baton on this question, is that just like a lot of things in church, when we look at well, how another maybe a denominational belief system does things, in this particular area, Brian, I think we have a tendency as Protestants are uh, non-Roman Catholic, but Catholic, to underdo it. As underemphasize the importance of it in that, not that we don't take it very serious, but I think that in a sense of the spiritualizing it, in a sense of what we're actually doing, I think the Protestants have a tendency from the churches I've uh, been involved with to underemphasize it. And I believe that the Catholic, the Roman Catholics in this regard, overemphasize it. And I have many uh, family members, especially in the South, who are Roman Catholic, that deal with this stuff. And I, I just remember as a kid, when they went to catechism, man, it, it, well, people just, you know, almost like play with it. Well, I, grew up, I grew up in a Roman Catholic church, mm -hmm. St. Bernadette's, and uh, I, I was an altar boy and, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, it, I don't know. It, growing up, it just was just like, it was just one of those things you did. It was just part of the ceremony. Mm -hmm. And uh, as a... Uh, as a Christian or a Catholic, quote unquote, or not, as you say, a non-Roman Catholic, um, as I grew older and really understanding the importance of it. That's the key. Uh, you know, I, I just took it a lot more serious and understood um, what it meant to take communion and uh, having uh, communion and, and, and drinking of the, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the juice. Uh, I don't know. I looked at it as is more serious, even though not believing that it, that it was, say, the literal blood or the literal flesh of, of Jesus Christ. PCH, what say you? Well, difficult issue. A lot of disagreement once again among Christians. There's a great article by church historian theologian Mark Knoll called "One Cup for Interpretations." One cup for interpretations. Yeah, Roman Catholics would believe that, uh, well, or teach what's called transubstantiation. And Eastern Orthodoxy, as much as they won't like what I say, hold basically the same view. They just disagree on when it happens. But they believe that the uh, wafer and wine actually become the literal body and blood of Christ and are no longer a wafer and no longer wine. So 
Um, that that's and then, uh, real quickly in a nutshell, that's transubstantiation. And Noel does a much better job explaining that than I'm going to be able to do right now. But and then Lutherans sometimes people think they believe in consubstantiation, which is another view. They don't. That's not correct. They believe in what's called the real presence. Mm-hmm. So they do believe Christ is literally is present in with and under the elements. That the elements uh, are still wafer and wine, not grape juice for them. And and that then the crisis presence and uh, i don't mean to be overly complicated she's asking a, asking a great question uh but but the issue here is they'd say look it, it, it's related theologically to one's view of what are called uh, the hypostatic union the interaction of the human and divine nature of christ so actually i did say this this view actually gets started on one's view of how the attributes of christ's divine nature and his fully human nature communicate or interact with each other, and what one believes on that at a very sophisticated level is what influenced these views, these two major, three now views now that I've mentioned, or actually four, mm-hmm. um, on, on this. Now, um, if you're um, Calvinistic, um, among Calvinists, Calvin believed in that the, he doesn't believe in the real presence, um, it doesn't believe in transubstantiation, but but there is the view that 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 communion is more than just a mere memorial or a mere remembrance. Right. That's the Zwinglian view. Um, What's that called again, Greg? Well, it's uh, I, I can't remember the exact phrase they use. I'm not sure there is exactly one, but it's the mm-hmm. idea that Christ is present in some unique or uh, special sense more than he normally is. He's he's uh, God's omnipresent, so he's everywhere at every mm-hmm. time, every place. Um, but he's he's present in some unique or special sense at communion than normal, so it's not the mere memorial view. The last view would be called the memorial view, and that was Wingley. Now, let me just say this. I'll, I'll offend some people here. You read <laughs> uh, works on this historically and whatnot. It appears the early church did not hold to the memorial view. They believe that communion was more than, than a memorial. And people will say, well, do this in remembrance of me. Well, yeah, of course. They're not saying it's not that, but it's more than that. I mean... You, to affirm something else doesn't mean you have to deny the original. So, Zwingli was the most humanistic of all the theologians and reformers. Zwingli was heavily still influenced by humanism, and by that I mean secular humanism, whereas Calvin and Luther, not so much at all. Um, so, neither of them held the mere memorial view, but neither of them held to the transubstantiation view that we would find in Eastern Orthodoxy and Roman Catholicism. Now, my fear for our dear caller is I've just confused her with all these <laughs> views. Um, so, yeah, we would, have, we would have issues as Protestants. It's not because we're Protestants we have issues. We're Protestants because we have issues. It's, it's, <laughs> we don't want to get the cart before the horse here. Uh, it's, uh, it's the horse before the cart, and that is. So, uh, in a nutshell, and I can make this article available to you, One Cup for Interpretations. Um, so, yeah, we would have trouble with it. We don't believe the Bible teaches that. We believe it, it, it comes from some views that are extra-biblical. Um, and, you know, by the way, I need to say this. It, it, it's related to their whole Roman Catholic system. It's not just, it is related to, as I mentioned, what's called the hypostatic union. Now, for many people, that's a term you've never heard before, but theologians use it fairly regularly. Again, that's the two natures of Christ and how they relate to each other, the communion attributes. Um, but the other big issue here is Roman Catholicism believes in what's called the sacramental system, and there's seven sacraments they believe. No one else in Christendom holds that. Protestants say there's, you know, basically two. Uh, some say three, and then some say, that, well, they're not even sacraments. They're, they're um, 
oh, what's the term? I'm, the term's escaping me. I'll hopefully think of it. Anyway, so they're not sacraments, but they're ordinances. Ordinances. So any, any rate, but here's the deal. In Rome, there is this view that any time a priest um, performs the Eucharist, goes through and uh, the ritual of the Eucharist, that Christ literally is present, that grace is given off, grace is, 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 is present, if you will. Uh, I don't mean to be crass and disrespectful, but think of it like a bank. Think of it like the U.S. Mint. They, uh, you know, they don't just store bullion or gold or silver. They actually produce you know, coins and whatnot. And so ex operato would be the Latin term. By the working of the work, they believe, and this is why you can go to some communities and you will see a Roman Catholic a priest doing union, doing the Eucharist, and you'll notice nobody's there. And you're like, well, what's going on? Why would you be giving communion if nobody's here? Because I believe grace is, yes. is, is mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, manifested, uh, produced, if you will, and they're storing that as the bank of heaven, so to speak, as a depository of grace, and then they, they believe they can give that uh, through the sacraments to people at other mm-hmm. times, such as ex- extreme unction or at, in the baptism where you receive what's called enabling grace, and what have you. So there's a whole sacramental system that goes with the Roman Catholic view, and Protestants reject that whole system. Teresa. Amen to that. Yeah. <laughs> well, Teresa, look, we're getting ready to come up on a hard break. I hope that's enough information to hold you over till next week. Yeah, and that's if really you, good. Thank wanna, you. Want to talk about it again? Please give us a call. Yeah, I hope that helps. Thanks, Teresa. Very good question. And there is a really good article again. Mark Knoll, N O L L, one cup for interpretations, and he's much clearer and succinct, succinct in explaining these views and the differences among them and why Protestants hold what they do. Great. Thank you. You're very welcome. Yep. Thanks for your phone call. Ladies and gentlemen, we're getting ready to come up on a hard break, but you're listening to Bible Information Brokers, uh, Living by the Word Ministries, putting it on. Uh, Brian gave you the information in regards to our address, how you can participate giving uh, to this ministry so that we can uh, get through the summer months and we don't want to ever get in a position whereby we're close to going off the air. Now, you guys came through mightily, and I'm just going to simply ask that you stay tuned on the other side of the break, and we're going to give you more information about how you can participate in that giving. But in the meantime, uh, stay tuned because we're going to be talking about various subjects as you call in. So feel free to lead and guide us in which way you want this show to go. We have questions coming in, and they're going to be dealing with uh, all type of stuff and dealing with uh, the things that we are dealing with with the Catholic Church. We're going to be talking about someone wants to know about dealing with his mother-in-law that passed away and he didn't get along too well. Well, listen, uh, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. And what What's going to happen in heaven in regards to that? We have people, uh, we have a good friend Doug is on the line. We're going to be uh, asking that you call in at one 888 talks one 528 or in your email box. You can simply write questions at Bible Information Brokers, questions at Bible Info Brokers, questions at BibleInfoBroker.com, and send us an email question. We're going to take a break right now on the other side of the break. We'll be back with more of your questions and more of our answers from a biblical perspective. we we'll see you in a moment. <laughs> 